before. All right, everybody, ready? <laughs> Three, two, one. Welcome again. This is episode 45 of Wise Guy Talks. I'm the Wise Guy. We're going to be talking to Cam Bryan today. On my left is the Cato man. Cato, talk to us. What's up? Cato is doing great. Cato is doing good. We always talk in third person like that. What's up? And Robert? How you doing today, guy? Good, man. How's, how's life on the other side of the fence? It is terrific, and I couldn't believe Cam was coming, so you know I was going to come. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think Cam even knew he was coming. <laughs> you know, the, the, the funny thing in all this is at 5.20 in the morning, and I know that because uh, cell phones usually leave like a little timestamp when you get a text. You want to guess who texted me at 5.20 in the morning? Take a guess. Cato. No. <laughs> Cam. And so my first thought... My first thought is my wife is like, who the hell's texting you at 520 in the morning? I said, I don't know. I can't read it. I don't Sorry, have my glasses guy. on. <laughs> I'm not going to go put my glasses on, so I don't have a clue. And then uh, an hour and a half later when I finally woke up, I go, that's Cam. I'm like, dude, what are you doing texting me at 520 in the morning? And, and what do you do at 520 in the morning? And what did you say? That's right. I CrossFit every morning at 530, 530. Class. My hero. I was so excited to get a message from Guy. I mean, it's been three and a half months begging to get on his show, and he finally invites me. And I'm like, look up at my phone when I got up at 430 this morning, and it was an invite. I was like, hey, I got to text him right back. So seriously, you get up every five days, six, seven days a week in CrossFit? Well, I've missed the last two months Why? Uh, because well, of campaigning. And uh, <laughs> so I'm back in the routine now. And so, yeah, 530 um, every morning. And what does going, it look get like? Get your endorphins going. What's it yeah. look like? I mean, your workout. What do you do? Uh, it's a mixture between um, heavy weights and gymnastics. Um, so it's a CrossFit. Uh, really? You've never heard of CrossFit? No. I, uh, okay. I, yeah, I'm a workout stud. So <laughs> not to laugh quite so hard there, man, well, been, behind the fence. I've been at it for about five years. So two months off was pretty what, what nice What got you break. into it? Oh, just something different because I've been a, I don't know if you, you guys know this or not, but I've marathon runner for years and years really? and I'm uh, turned into an ultra runner. Um, so I've run, uh, gosh, a half a dozen, uh, maybe even 10, uh, 100 mile races. Wow. Uh, my favorite ones down in the keys where you start at mile marker 100 yeah. in Key Largo, right. run straight down us one to Key West. Mile That's insane. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, now I know why those 18-hour days you were putting in as a candidate were nothing so sandwich. Hey, hey, that's nothing because, yeah, my fastest 100-miler uh, was uh, 2406. 20, wow. So yeah. that's measured in hours or days? Hours. Because a, a guy clock, it would be measured in days. <laughs> yeah. You just continue to go. Oh, my God. One that's a month. of the other, right? That's a month worth of running right oh, there. Amazing. Kato, how about you? What do you do for work? Are you skinny? Well, it's two beers every night. <laughs> <laughs> I had 12 ounce curls. So how's it feel? How's it feel to be you today? Oh, it's so nice to be done with the campaigning. Three and a half months, um, over 67 meet and greets, uh, just constant 24-7. I knew it was going to be a lot. They told me it was going to be a heck of a lot, um, and I was ready for it. But it was about a thousand times more than I could have ever imagined. I think people... Um, it really was crazy. I think people always find it interesting. You reach an inflection point where you have that aha moment and you go, hey, I'm yeah. running for school board. Yeah. How did that happen with you? I mean, how did you come to that point where, hey, I'm running for school board? Yeah, well, um, you know, funny story was um, I've been involved, you know, with the community for decades with youth and 
teaching, coaching, mentoring, uh, and my son, who is in sixth grade, he's going to be in seventh grade next year in middle school, has graduated out of these youth programs. So my wife and I were talking, how are we going to stay involved with the community? How are we going to continue to serve? And he said, well, let's, uh, you know, let's take a year off. Um, let's think about it. Um, and maybe the next logical step, if we want to continue to serve our youth in this community, is you know, run for school board. Yeah. Uh, so we knew that there were two positions this year and two positions open next year. Uh, so we said, okay, let's just, you know, we've never run a campaign before. Uh, so let's just see how this all this works. Um, we'll help somebody out uh, for a year, and then we'll maybe throw the hat in next year. So um, they were having trouble finding people to run. Um, so we said, okay, um, let's jump in. Let's do it. Um, we were going to do it anyway. Um, we can learn on the fly. Um, we have good people around the community that will help out. And uh, yeah, that's just kind of how it came all about, and the rest is history. Was your wife fully engaged in all this? She was uh, more than fully engaged. Um, we had a pact ahead of time that, um, you know, we would not respond on social media. We would not, you know, spend our days looking at social media, uh, getting up every morning. Yeah. Um, just turning on my phone was a scary uh, adventure in and of itself. How important is that, by the way? You know, we, what we're trying to do is provide something of a roadmap for people that are trying to have this epiphany within their communities because now all of a sudden we're all getting hit with queries going, how do you do that? How did those guys win such a convincing race? And people want to replicate what happened within their communities. How important is the social media aspect of it as far as do you respond to every single attack that comes at you? And you guys had a couple because I saw them. Um, do you use it for advertising? I mean, how, how did you view social media in this whole t- construct? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, early on, we decided that we were just going to use it as advertising as a one-way street uh, to get name recognition, to get your platform out there. Um, we just you know, decided that we, we're just not going to respond. You can't win a debate on social media. Yeah. So, you know, quite frankly, I probably a month and a half into it, I stopped looking at my social media. All I looked at was my webpage uh, and my Facebook page and made sure that the negative comments that showed up were blocked and that my message was out there in a positive manner. We tried to stay above board uh, the entire campaign. I think we did a great job of that and um, successful because of that, I think. Robert had an observation on you staying above board. Why don't you jump in there, Robert? Well, a couple of things. Number one, on the social media, you know, I didn't meet you until, you know, at some point after you decided you were going to run and I didn't know you, but you, you, what you've been doing over the years has had a lasting legacy in South Lake, because I can tell you when I saw people attacking you on social media, I saw people that you probably coached their kids or you knew Mm -hmm. from church that were stepping up in an authentic way of saying, that's not true. I've known him for years He's not any of these things mm-hmm. that you're saying about it. So I think that says a lot about your character and who you've been in the community for a lot of years. Yeah, thank you. And um, so anyway, I, I, I think I was really impressed with your entire campaign because you never went negative, right? You never went right. negative. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I can't say that your opponent directly went negative, but some of the surrogates, it was, it was really, really bad. And one in particular that shocked me was that tweet that, you know, allegedly was the Tarrant Democratic Party, but we all know was Sark, right? That was wise guy. Who's Sark? Right. Tell so, us who South, Sark is. South Lake Anti-Racist Coalition. Which is essentially a Marxist organization. It, it is, right? Well, I, frankly, they act like a hate group. I'm, I'm sorry, but they do. And this, yeah. this tweet was a classic example of that. When you take every conservative candidate in South Lake, you put their picture, their email address, 
and then you, you put it under a heading of racist candidates. And I, I just curious, how did, how did you react to that? Cause I, I, I'm not sure how I would have reacted if I'd woke up one morning and seen somebody had tweeted my picture. Yeah. Under well, the heading I, of racist. You know, honestly, I didn't see it. Oh, okay. Uh, somebody actually took a screenshot and sent it to me because they okay. knew I wasn't on social media. And, okay. You know, honestly, I told myself that I was going to be called every name yeah. uh, in the book, including that. Uh, yeah. I decided ahead of time that I just wasn't going to pay any attention to it. Yeah. And you, you mentioned something earlier that, um, you know, we have such a generous community. Yeah. I mean, it is really an outstanding community with people that I didn't even know. I may have had an impact through coaching or right. whatever uh, through Dragon Youth Football. But to see the amount of support on social media yeah. in response to the attacks was just incredible and very reassuring that I, would, I don't have to say anything yes. because the community is going to have my yeah. back. And that was really, really nice. How did you form your team? Did you have a team? And how did you pick that team? Or did it just kind of naturally grow? Was it organic in its growth? It did. Um, I really didn't have a plan going in because I've never run a campaign before, and I didn't know really what I was doing. I was just relying on people that were reaching out to me saying, hey, Cam, I'd like to help you with your campaign. Um, I didn't even have a campaign. Well, uh, I take that back because my wife is going to be listening to this. Um, uh, so my wife was my campaign manager and my treasurer, and I always introduced her uh, at meet and greets yeah. uh, in that way. But. Uh, really, I didn't have all the other candidates, the, the mayor, the city council, uh, Hannah, all had a, a formal campaign manager and a formal treasurer. I did not. Um, I was thrust into this. Um, so I was just on the fly. So, you know, you guys and everybody else that said, hey, um, I see that you haven't done this before. We have some experience and we'd love to help you out. And that's it just kind of organically grew yeah. over time. And then you know, it was great because Hannah and I didn't know each other before this campaign. And we sat down and talked and said, hey, I think that we could do this thing together because Hannah hadn't run a campaign either. So we decided let's align um, and let's make sure that uh, people who know Cam will know Hannah and people who know Hannah will know Cam. Did, did you say um, an organic formation in what was called the Fab Five? And if so, how important was the Fab Five to getting your name out? And tell people who the Fab Five was. Well, I think that, um, you know, Hannah and I aligned first, and I think that was what's most important. We did all of our events together. We uh, went to all of our meet and greets together, which was, uh, I think Hannah said it was 67. She's our scheduler. Every morning I got up, I was scared to look at my phone because Hannah had two or three <laughs> invites for me for another meet and greet, and I just couldn't believe it. And that's one of the... You know, one of the best and worst things about the campaign is that, you know, we're meeting thousands and so many people in this community that are just so heartfelt. Uh, but then one of the worst things, too, is that you're constantly on 24-7. So, and I'm not used to that. Uh, I don't know how professional politicians do it. It's just mentally um, it's exhausting. Draining, yeah. yeah, exhausting. And getting back to the Fab Five, you know, it's five candidates. So it was the mayor, it was two city council seats, and it was two school board seats. So about halfway through, maybe uh, three-quarters of the way through, somebody, and I don't know who it was, uh, posted a picture and had a big graphic that said, here, vote for the Fab Five, and here's their names. And it just kind of magically turned into something that, you know, it's blow it blew up before our very eyes. And it, it really did help uh, because when people went to the polls, you wouldn't believe how many people stopped by our corner where we were, uh, you know, staged outside of the early voting and election day saying, we're not sure who to vote for, who are the conservative candidates, and it was very helpful. We had five signs lined right up in a row, and they had a card say, here you go. And there's 
I mean, there was, I was really surprised that people would show up at the polls and not have any clue who to vote for. So, uh, very helpful, uh, yeah. very helpful. But I think Hannah and I's alignment was the most helpful. So the branding was real important. Cato, you yeah, got something there? Exactly. Yeah. You remember the first meet and greet? Yes, I do remember. And that was, uh, what, the third week of January? Yeah. Uh, and when all this thing, this, and you, you set that up for us, right? Yeah, I actually yeah. set it up. And yeah. uh, thank you to uh, Jennifer. That's right. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was, it was one of the best meet and greets, honestly, because, uh, you know, meet and greets for those of you who don't know, most people say, Hey, I would like to invite you to my home. We want to invite our neighbors over to meet the candidates. And some of these meet and greets had five or 10 people and some had, you know, 50 or hundred people. And this one, I think we had about 20 to 25, which is a perfect number. It was just uh, really outstanding to be able to you know, meet with an intimate group. Yeah, of and that started the whole greet, meet and greet thing. It sure did. Now it you sure remember did. the last one. Right, in the last one too. I mean, it, it's just incredible um, how generous uh, people are and who showed up. I mean, it's, you know, 6,800 people voted uh, for Hannah and I. In what this kind of an increase percentage-wise is that year over election, year mm-hmm. over election year? Well, it's amazing because in my race, I think there was 10,003 people who voted. Uh, there's 21, 22,000 registered voters in South Lake. So that means that's about, what, 45%? Yeah. Most of these municipal elections, especially in South Lake, are under 10% uh, show up. So um, it really shows you how fired up this community was, how excited they were about the candidates that were running and, uh, you know, it paid off at the polls. Do you think this has broader national implications? Why, why else would Fox and, and all these other national, uh, why in the heck would they care about a local election? Well, I think, I think they, they see a small town, um, a very successful town with, you know, the number one school district in the state of Texas that is standing up to fight against a political ideology being embedded in our, children's curriculum and i you see that sweeping across our country uh in places like virginia and new york and massachusetts and illinois and it's really just destroying the school districts um and it's 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 something that i think the national news media says hey wait a second we can defeat this how do we defeat it and so they picked up on it so uh, not not to be too prescient but i did about Four or five months ago, I did a podcast, and in that podcast, I said, uh, and I think it's called A Trojan Horse Comes to Town, and in that podcast, I said, uh, so goes Southlake, goes the rest of the United States. Mike Hickenbaugh of NBC picked that quote up, and he's actually, he kind of said it, I thought, in kind of a taunting way, hoping that their election would have turned out differently, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it turned out the way that I hoped that it was. Um, well, now, did we break the model on these local elections being purely agnostic, neutral, apolitical? Did we break that model? Uh, did you run as a conservative, or did you run as just a, a school board guy that wants to run for school board? Well, I, I, I did a little bit of both. Uh, I think if you look at what the issues were, you could say that, yeah, those were tend to be uh, uh, towards the conservative approach. Uh, but I did. I just ran as a regular dad. I'm just a regular citizen wanting to serve and give back and make a difference in this district. Yeah, one of the things I, I did notice about your opponents, and there, there was a level of inauthenticity that I saw. It, you know, I, I joked with my my wife a little bit. It seems like we have a lot more conservatives in South Lake around election time, 
um, meaning that a lot of people are claiming to be conservative that are not truly conservative. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. And I, I felt like you were very upfront all along about who you were, and I, I wasn't as convinced about some of the other, not just your your opponent in the race, but some of the other ones in terms of their <laughs> claims of being either fiscally conservative or socially conservative or whatever. Or politically. Yeah. I mean, what, what was your thought yeah. on that? Well, you just don't have the numbers. Um, here in South Lake. we're a 70-30 community or a 60-30-10 uh, community. So in order to win in this town, you really have to lean towards the middle. Uh, you have to get you know, a good number of voters that are moderates. And so I think that's uh, both Hannah and I's opponent uh, lean that way, and I think that was strategically correct that they tried to do that uh, in order to get the numbers. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, it came down to issues, uh, and that's what it should always come down to. Yeah. So one of the takeaways, then, is to be able to read the tea leaves and have an idea of what the political construct of your community is that you're running in. And if it's straight up neutral, <clears throat> be a lot more careful about branding yourself as a conservative or a liberal. But if, if you know that you've got a 30-point advantage, you may want to consider running on, on being a conservative or a liberal. And we really don't want to be giving advice to liberals. But uh, that, uh, that's, what, what is the best and the worst moments of your campaign? Well, like I mentioned earlier, you know, with these meet and greets, um, it's just incredible to be able to meet so many people in this town. Uh, it's such a generous town that I've said over and over, and I, I truly mean that. You know, the worst part is the 24-7, the attention, yeah. and something that I haven't been used to. I've never run a campaign before. I'm not a politician per se. I guess I am now. Or now. Uh, right? Official. I mean, really. Um, but, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, what we did and why we were successful is because – we had a message. We stuck to that message. We were able to articulate that message and articulate that message to the right people. So be consistent with your message and have a message that resonates with the uh, community, correct? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, it seems like the reality of this issue, though, I mean, at the heart of this is critical race theory, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's at the very heart of this. And I, I think in the end, this is not a political issue. I think, I, I think, when moderate Democrats really understand the outcome of critical race theory, they are not going to be on board with critical race theory. And I, if, if I, I think if people do a good enough job of helping folks understand what that is, even in districts that lean blue, I think they've got a shot here. That's yeah. my view of it. Yeah. And let's, I mean, you can even go broader than that. I mean, yeah. critical race theory is something that we talked about a lot yeah. in this. And it's being talked about all over the national news media yeah. and across the country. But if you go even broader than that, we don't want any political ideology, no matter what it is, yeah. embedded in our academic curriculum. Yeah. You know, you, bottom line. You uh, interviewed with Fox and Friends. First of all, what was that like? What was the setup like? How they contact you? What was that experience? Well, like? it was a great experience. It's a funny story because they reached out to Hannah and I at the same time and Unfortunately, Hannah responded first. Um, so there's two Fox and Friends shows. There's right. a Fox and Friends first from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. Eastern time. And then there's Fox and Friends regular show from All 6 right. to 9. Well, since Hannah uh, responded first, she was able to get the 6 to 9 a.m. Uh, time slot. So I was in, in, you know, it was great. It was awesome. I got the 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. time slot. My interview was at 4.30 Eastern time, which means I was being interviewed at 3.30 yeah, like a.m. I don't think I've ever, I've, I can't remember the last time I was up at 3.30 um, a.m., much less having to interview live on national TV. It was really neat. It was great to get, you know, we were contacted by the producers in New York and 
is able to really walk through that whole process. Or are you able to talk to the talent between sets or anything? Oh yeah. During, com- Tell during us about commercials, that. It, yeah. it was pretty neat. You know, it's just, you know, you see these big news personalities on right. TV and so you kind of hold them to a higher standard and just, they're just normal people talking to you. Hey, it's going to be okay. I know this is your first time on national TV. We're just going to walk you through it. It's going to be, it's going to be totally fine. So, you know, it's just, I was, I was a little nervous cause I haven't done that before, you but, did a good uh, job. but being able to talk to them during the commercial breaks and that type of thing. How really do they helpful. light that? I'm more in, interested in the technical end of it. How do they light you and get the audio set up? So it's all by, uh, by Skype. And uh, somebody calls you from New York on your phone and says, okay, we're 15 minutes out. We're ready for you. Let's test out your Skype. So they call you on Skype and they have you on there. One, one thing that surprised me, and then they turn you over to a producer and then they turn you over to the IT department and they're always constantly whispering in your ear. Um, can you hear us? Um, you know, they came on and said, okay, 90 seconds and you know, 30 seconds, five, four, three, two, one. Okay. You're on You're live. And so they come on. And one of the interesting things was you, you don't, you don't, you're not looking at the host. Um, you're looking at yourself. So that's why, and I didn't realize this, you know, I'm just such a novice. I didn't realize, you know, when you have guest speakers on there and they keep rambling and rambling and the host has to say something to kind of stop them. Well, it's because you can't see any, oh. any facial expression. So you're just kind of looking at yourself, talking, talking to yourself. So in that interview, you were quoted as saying you wanted to refocus, reset on academics and avoiding politics. That kind of goes back to what you just previously said. Yeah. How important is that to pull politics out of curriculum and get back to the basics, reading, writing, arithmetic? Well, it's very, it's very important because it's, uh, it's, a, it's a huge impact on our teachers. And as a result, uh, our teachers aren't trained to teach things like critical race theory or political ideology, especially if they don't understand it. Um, they're trained to teach um, academics. And, you know, we're really having an, an issue here in this town uh, because of what's going on in the national media and how this community is being portrayed. Just recruiting teachers and retaining teachers is, has become difficult. So that's why I say we have to get back on focusing on academics and uh, you know, strictly on, you know, that type of thing. So you two guys are a high commodity right now. Do you have any announcements for any big appearances coming this way? (laughs) Well, we have been contacted and hopefully we'll have a, uh, there's a large conference. Let's just say that in July that Tana and I have been invited to speak to, but, uh, nothing has been finalized. Um, so is your, uh, is your posse, is your posse going to join you? The wise guys, the, the dog pound here, uh, they will have uh, three invitations, maybe four, <laughs> right? Three or four invitations, right? Front row seats. All right. Sweet. I'm sure Sweet. it'll be a huge crowd for Hannah and I. <laughs> <laughs> so you talked about hiring the best and the brightest teachers and, uh, parental engagement. Let's hit that. That's uh, point oh, yeah. eight there. Why don't we hit that a little, a little Oh, yeah. Bit. I mean, we've always, that's why we get exemplary status from the Texas uh, Education Agency every single year. We get top status because we've always hired the best and brightest teachers based on their qualifications and experience only. And what I've been saying on the campaign trails, we wouldn't need to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. By focusing on academics and showing teachers that we are going to be focused on academics, uh, I think that we can start um, uh, recruiting and retaining the teachers that we need to. And our community is incredible in terms of parental engagement in our schools. I totally believe in you know, parent involvement in their children's education. How important is that? And we just got to continue to promote that. I think that we haven't been doing a, a good enough job promoting that. You're a budget guy and your yeah. fiscal responsibility. Can you tell us a little bit more? Right. Um, 
you know, my career, I've had 30 years in the aviation industry, and uh, my office manages a $750 million grant program. We give money to airports to build infrastructure in the five-state area. So I'm very attuned to budgeting, to personnel, to public policy. I think those are that's a strong skill set needed for a board trustee. And, you know, we certainly um, have some cleaning up to do in our district in terms of budgets and bond referendums and, and that type of thing. So I'm looking forward to sharpening the pencil and uh, finding ways that we can improve on the budget process. So I, I want to go back to that parental engagement piece and speaking as a parent now. Um, one of the things the DDC, you know, had met for a period of time, and then out of that they made recommendations for changes to the student code of conduct. And those changes were approved in early August right. 2019. Mm -hmm. It was 300 or some right. so changes. One, one, yeah, 300, yeah, right. And one, one of the things that really concerned me was the prior student code of conduct laid out a foundation of a partnership between parents and the schools. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that language was removed and it became what looks, the only way I can describe it is more of a transactional relationship mm -hmm. between the parents and the school district. It, it, and I'm going to simplify it, but, you know, you feed and clothe them and send, send them to us and then we'll take it from here right. rather than this engagement. And, and, and my belief is because of the district we live in and because parental engagement is so high that that partnership is a requirement to have the outcomes we've had for Absolutely. so long. And yeah, I, for I, sure. do you have a thought on adding that language back to the student? And I know you're not on the board yet, but right. what are your thoughts? Well, on I've that? advocated that for that on the, on the campaign trail. I yeah. mean, the, the slogan was parents as partners. Right. Um, and they took that away. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure why they took that away, uh, whether that was by accident or not. But that's why I've been saying that we have to continue to promote parents engaged in our children's right. education. You know, volunteer at the school, substitute teach, help coach, um, be a, uh, a homeroom parent you know those are types of things that we need for our schools to succeed and you know quite frankly the, uh, the teachers need that uh, the teachers yeah. need to be able to have that type of uh, engagement from our parents so they can concentrate more on teaching the children so this is more of a micro question question that and it may not be appropriate to ask it now and you can wave me off if you don't want to uh, it's not a difficult one but you know, we have some very special programs like Gifted and Talented, Carroll Medical Academy. Um, are you thinking of any projects or programs going forward that you would like to develop that you could jump into? Oh, yeah. You show know, leadership in. We're always looking to further challenge um, our students. I think it's important that we have an academic assessment. And Dr. Ledbetter said that he was looking into doing that to find ways to continue to challenge our, our kids. Uh, we have some award-winning programs that are in addition to our academic curriculum. One of the things that I would like to see is us to establish a Carroll Business Academy oh, yeah. um, and really open it up to more than just students that you know have a 4.0 grade point average. Right. Um, let's reach a spread the net a little bit wider to oh, bring a bunch of students in. Uh, maybe uh, set it up as an LLC, get the businesses across you know, South Lake engaged in it, set up internships for these students during the summer. Uh, you know, let them learn about investing, running a company. You know, those types of life skills are very important. It wouldn't be an advantage uh, when they go to college. Um, if so, they do. so South Lake, if you're listening to this and you own a business, I think uh, Mr. Cam is just throwing out the gauntlet. 
He's looking for support for this. What you got for me, Kato? You're over there jumping around like a Mexican jumping bean. Well, he just, he just answered the question. Okay. So the other thing that I want to talk about is this goes to culture. <clears throat> this is more of a self-serving question for me, but what I found is there seems to be a culture right now where people are not uh, interested in talking to me, not because they don't want to talk to me, because they're afraid of retribution from the school. And right. th that goes to a, a culture that's against transparency, that's against uh, le letting teachers come to me if they have a problem. Of course, I understand they have chain of command. I was in the Marine Corps. You know, you work for a, a, right. you know, a government agency. We all know how that works. But sometimes, you know, if somebody like Renee James is teaching a program that is wholly inappropriate and management's not listening to it, they need to be able to come to people like me or a student um, or a teacher or an administrator. Uh, I, I'm just hoping, and I'm not really looking for a, an answer yeah. from you on this. I'm just hoping that that the culture can change, and that culture comes from the top. It does come from the top, and you know, culture is very difficult to change. It takes time to to change a culture, and I think that's what Hannah and I have been talking about um, also on the campaign trail is this transparency. Um, our school board needs to be more engaged with our community, and we would like to have some town halls uh, set up to invite the community, not in such a formal environment as a boardroom meeting, sure. and just you know have people come. Let's talk about it. Um, right. Let's talk about the issues of the day. You know, when I look at the results of the election, it seems clear that the voters of South Lake gave a mandate. And and I, I guess my question is, when you think in terms of those mandates, what do you think? What do you think that they they asked you to get done? Well, I think it's the message that we had. I don't I don't know what else it could yeah. be. Um, the message, you know, my message anyway was, you know, we need to refocus on academics and our students. Uh, we need to continue to challenge in that way. We need to keep our district excellent because we need to hire the best and brightest teachers. Parental engagement is important, and you know. Uh, I don't think our community is uh, wanting to pass another bond referendum anytime soon. So it's important that right. we wean our way off our, our reliance on bond referendum funding, sharpen our pencil on the budget. I think those three things that I've been campaigning on this whole time, I believe, uh, energize this community. And the fact that, you know, we're going to stick with academics. We're not going to introduce any type of political ideology in our curriculum. Uh, that's what our community wants. And I think that's what yeah. they said. And that's what Hannah and I's objective is. Yeah. Do you think the rest of the board heard the mandate i think they did i mean how couldn't you i mean 45 percent of the registered voters in south lake voted for a municipal election that wasn't tied to a general election uh and of those 45 percent we received 70 percent of the vote i mean i think that says something it's pretty clear to me it is yeah so you're not the squeaky will not me because <laughs> we were called the squeaky will there for a while but all of a sudden we became the will uh, well uh, we we were called i think a small um, alt-right minority. Yeah, that's the one. What, what is alt-right? Yeah, they no, live? I, yeah, you know, I have no clue what alt-right means. So again, we're trying to provide roadmap here to some extent, and other communities that are listening to you, they're going to be listening to this recording. <clears throat> they want to know how they can organize. Is there one single reference point that you can give them on how to organize, or or does it just have to be totally organic and different by community by community? I don't think so. I think that. You know, what brought this community together uh, to really stand up was, a, was an issue. Uh, and I know this type of issue is spread across the country because I've been getting, ever since the Fox and Friends interview, I have received numerous texts, phone calls, emails from people all over the country in a like situation at South Lake 
just asking how, how did you do it can we set up a meeting with you and Hannah to discuss how how you all did it and you know it's going to be important for her and I to sit down and really think through how we articulate that to these people and write it down and have a blueprint I think we have a blueprint um, it was great to see the community engaged the way it is I mean Hannah and I are, are talking to a group of people from um, Austin a particular school district down there next week um, you know there's 10 of them they want to know exactly how how to do this um, so it's really neat. I mean, it really is. There's nothing like I thought, you know, going into this. And it, yeah. it's turned out to be bigger than, you know, just a small South Lake municipal election. Go ahead, Kato. Yeah, you're thinking about writing a book? <laughs> how, about a, how about a white paper first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the old white paper. <laughs> so one of the things we want to do is we want to give hope to the listener because a lot of these people are downtrodden and, and they're discouraged and they're getting the crap beat out of them. And I think the message, if nothing else, that you and Hannah are presenting is a, a message of hope that you can stand up, you can be the David and Goliath here. I, I think you're right. I, th I think what we've seen over the last you know, four or five years in politics across the country is just um, negativity. Yeah. Uh, Hannah and I ran on a very positive uh, issue-based campaign and i think that resonated at this particular time with our community and it's resonating right now in the national media and all across the country that uh okay enough is enough let's stand up and take this on with a positive you know direction yeah kato you got any uh parting shots i'm just happy that you're here and congratulations thank you, thank you. yeah appreciate it so like joe biden here or no i'm just kidding i just have one so yeah. um I think I met you at the very beginning of your campaign. If you could go back and tell yourself something, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> don't do it. No, <laughs> no I, I, I think, you know, if you, if you look back on it, uh, it was something I was just, I was formulating my ideas. I was form formulating my platform, trying to figure it all out. I think if I had it all to do again, I would have really had that all laid out ahead of time. I think, I think it took me probably four weeks, maybe even longer, to get it all straightened out and get going and rolling it on a routine. And I would have liked to really start at day one right. um, on a routine. So it's, it's good to plan. Uh, just make sure you're planning well in advance. Yeah. If you do push out a white paper, hopefully Wise Guy Talks will get a copy of it and we can put it up on the blog yeah, site, absolutely. PDF format, and we can push it out. But I just yeah. want to say, I know you're a busy man. Everybody wants a piece of you these days. And uh, my wife said, you know, he's kind of cute. <laughs> what do you think, Robert? My, I'm sure my wife would say the same. <laughs> you presented well on TV. You did a nice job. Uh, we were very proud of you and impressed. And uh, we we're so glad that this turned out the way it did. This is going to conclude Wise Gay Talks 45 with Cam and the man Brian. Thank you very much and good luck in your career. Thank you. Thank you.